Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. In today's episode, I am going to share with you a presentation that I did recently on how to bulletproof yourself against the silent killer that steals energy, depletes health and accelerates aging. Inflammation has been deemed the root cause of so many diseases that we're seeing, from heart disease through to diabetes and also many of the autoimmune conditions that people are experiencing. And in this presentation, I break down what causes inflammation, how you can lower it, um, avoid it and really bulletproof your body against these chronic diseases that are so prevalent in our society. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, So what I'm going to take you through today is what is inflammation? What's causing it? Um, Because we are seeing this rapid advancement of chronic diseases like cancer, diabetes, heart disease, autoimmune conditions are on a rapid rise. Um, Things like rheumatoid arthritis, multiple cirrhosis, um, and many, many other diseases. And our environment, our lifestyle, and our nutrition is largely, um, well, it plays a massive part. It's largely responsible for this. And so the great news is, is that there's a lot of things that you can do that can really, really protect you um, and enhance your health. So I don't know if you're experiencing these things. If you're feeling like your energy levels are less than they used to be, that's a really, really common one that I'm seeing with many of my clients at the moment. And and they often feel like there isn't a really good reason for it. Um, I think when we've got very young children, we sort of feel that that's the reason. Um, But then as they start to grow older and we're getting more consistent sleep, many people are really still struggling. Um, brain fog's another very, very common one, and inflammation can play a big part here um, because it slows down the connection between neurons. And so that's when you kind of walk into a room, you can't quite remember why you went in there. Or sometimes when you're having a conversation with somebody, you're just struggling to find all of the words that you need um, as quickly as you would have done before. You might be getting muscle, um, muscle or joint pain Uh, That's a very, very common thing with inflammation. Um, You could be experiencing gastrointestinal issues. So maybe you've got IBS um, or food intolerances. And you might be that you're someone that exercises regularly, but you're not really seeing any change or results. Um, You can also experience mood issues or anxiety. This can have um, significant impact on these types of things. I know that a lot of people are struggling, as I mentioned in the beginning, with energy levels and this exhaustion and bloating and feeling uncomfortable, experiencing brain fog and kind of just a bit meh. You know, you're kind of living life at a five out of 10 most days. Um, And I think people are looking for answers. And it's difficult because when you're looking online, there's a lot of information. There's also a lot of companies that, um, you know, you may not feel confident um, investing your time and money with because you're not sure about them. And, you know, I had a lady not long ago who who spent quite a few hundred dollars on um, some ketogenic stuff that hadn't even turned up. So it's it's kind of it's hard when you're looking around and you do start to wonder, why am I so tired? Is it normal? And what do I need to do? What am I doing wrong? And a lot of people will go to the doctor and they'll be told that everything's normal. And that's really because you haven't met the disease requirements. So if that's happening to you, but you know you're not feeling right, 
uh, that's the probably the reason. And that's not to say that you won't get to that disease point. And this is where people repeatedly go back to their doctor. Um, and eventually then something does come up. But we're entering a new age of personalized health. And that's the really, really good news um, because it really empowers you to track, test and take charge of your destiny. And you'll see this with all the fitness trackers that have come onto the market. They're becoming more and more accurate. And um, a conference I went to very recently was showing just how advanced we're going to be. So in the next two to five years, it's going to be extremely exciting in terms of what you will be able to quantify your own personal data at home. And even doctors now are looking to access some of that data that you have to be able to help and um, treat you. So it's a really, really exciting time. Um, it's a great future in that sense for our children. Um, and so we have this kind of crazy juxtaposition of, you know, some such a large proportion of the world that is obese and struggling under the load of chronic disease. But then we also have access to this technology and information that previously was really only available to very wealthy people um, and biohackers who were interested in really understanding the science and looking at their own biology. But now the good news is it's becoming affordable for us to do that ourselves. So I want to take you through now what inflammation is. Um, you've got acute inflammation, and this is what most people are aware of. So this is a very necessary thing in the body um, where inflammation happens to basically heal you. So if you think here, this child's cut their knees, it's really important that those white blood cells are sent and that there is some localized inflammation to repair those tissues um, and get back to where they were before. But what we have now is this chronic inflammation, which is kind of like a slow creep or a slow kind of smoldering fire within us. You may feel it or you may not. The thing is, it can be silent. Sometimes people don't have any particular symptoms at all. Um, but it drives so many of the things that you would see happening. So if you're someone that's had weight gain or you particularly are getting abdominal fat forming or maybe you've you know you've been through uh, one or more pregnancies if you're a woman and you've found that you just can't get rid of that weight afterwards that's often driven by this underlying inflammation um, you may be experiencing as I've already said things like aches and pains you might wake up in the morning feeling pretty stiff um, and you may have this kind of overarching tiredness um, or low energy or things like the brain fog that we've been discussing can also lead to quite a low mood um, if your neurotransmitters are imbalanced um, and it can affect sleep as well. I haven't put that here, but it can really affect sleep, particularly when um, neurotransmitters get involved, because things like serotonin, for example, which is a happy um, neurotransmitter and, and motivational, gets converted into melatonin through a process known as methylation. And then that's in turn what helps us sleep. So it starts to affect these things, but ultimately it can drive some pretty serious chronic diseases. Now, when you lower inflammation, you can lower your list, your risk of chronic disease, and you can also improve your cognition. So by that, I mean your mental function, your acuity, your speed of thinking, your speed of doing things. Um, and that you can also improve your mood because you've got more balanced neurotransmitters and you're optimizing the connection between neurons. Um, you're going to have a much, much higher energy and, you know, a, a, an easier body to maintain in terms of it's going to be leaner and stronger and healthier. And you don't need to exercise 
to extreme to do that. You'll also have this thing where you're going to end up with better sleep. But then it's funny because having lower levels of inflammation and stress help with better sleep. But then better sleep also lowers inflammation. And so I think you'll see as we go through these things that they all are pretty circular and all equally important. But there's three areas that I want to talk to you about here today that I think are really, really important. And if you can get these dialed in, you're going to be a long way to protecting your health. So the first one's the nutritional side. Um, And then I'm going to look briefly at stress, um, both in terms of uh, internal stress and external stress sources, and then at sleep. So with nutrition, it is um, very important that we look at a variety of factors here. So some people, you know, there's some obvious ones that you probably know about. If you're having too much sugar or you're having too much processed food, um, then you're probably going to be driving up inflammation. But what people are less aware of is looking at fats in particular. Um, I really encourage you to avoid processed vegetable oils that are stored in plastic bottles that you see on supermarket shelves um, under lighting. They are rancid and they destroy your cells. The thing with fats, the biggest takeaway I want you to take is that fats become incorporated into your cell membranes. So if you're eating fats that have been heated or reheated, things like chips, for example, but also these processed vegetable oils that you can find in the supermarkets, um, processed uh, spreads like margarine, um, things like canola oil, or in the UK we call it rapeseed oil that's in mayonnaises and things, that drives inflammation And those fats become a part of your cell because around the outside of our cell membrane is a fatty layer. Um, And that's really important because it protects the cell in terms of things that shouldn't be entering the cell from coming in. And it also um, but it's also permeable. So it allows the right things in. So it's this delicate balance and the fats that you eat become incorporated as part of those cell membranes. So that's a really, really important thing to get right. Um, omega-3 fats, as we'll see in the moment, are very good at helping to lower inflammation um, from things like oily fish and flaxseed and walnuts. Um, gut imbalances play a big part as well. And certain systems in your body in terms of methylation and detoxification, if these aren't being supported well, you can see inflammation go up as well. Um, and then I'll come on to the stress and the sleep factors. So factor one is nutrition. And this is where it gets really exciting because you can now personalize your nutrition. If you do a DNA test, this allows you to see exactly what your carbohydrate tolerance is, your fat tolerance and the right proportion of fats that you need in your diet. Um, So this makes it super simple for you to then proportion your food. I'm not a massive advocate of going on a diet or changing your eating dramatically because it's really, really hard to stick to. It's more about sticking to the right foods in terms of the ingredients, using the right ones as the ingredients in the foods you prepare, and then proportioning them as you need to. So as an example, some people who maybe are not detoxifying or methylating particularly well would then need to have more cruciferous vegetables. And so you'd be wanting to put more broccoli and cauliflower and um, cabbage and foods like that onto your plate to support those systems. Um, And this is how knowing your genetics can actually um, help you a lot here. Knowing your omega-3s is very important. So some people just naturally have, um, they're like predisposed to higher levels of inflammation. And if that's the case, then it may mean that you need a kind of therapeutic dose dose of omega-3. 
which very powerfully thins the blood as well. Um, and it's very cardioprotective. But what I'll see that's interesting with some clients um, is that actually their omega-3 pathways are okay, but they, um, they it will be detrimental if they're having too many omega-6s. And this is where we have to be very careful because most, both of these types of fats are essential. We need to find them in our food. Um, but depending on our pathways, we need to get those ratios right for optimal health. Saturated fats is also another big one here. So for some people, um, they're more sensitive to saturated fats. And that's why something like a ketogenic diet works very well for some individuals, but not others. Um, we all have our different carbohydrate tolerances I've already touched on. And some people will process carbs that much more quickly. And that's why insulin will go up. And it, it might be you might find that you're somebody who's had a really high metabolism and not struggled with their weight until you kind of get to late 30s, early 40s. And then you feel like this things are shifting. And that could be that you are just much more sensitive to carbs. You're maybe moving around less or you've got less muscle mass. Um, and so your um, muscles are kind of not taking that up. So that's something that's very protective if you know this in terms of taking your health forward. Um, hormonal balances do play a big part. So we want to make sure that we're not developing things like leptin or insulin resistance um, because that can play a part in weight gain and also drive inflammation. And you'll see in a moment that optimizing your sleep can really, really help with these hormonal regulations. And then as I've already um, mentioned, methylation detoxification. So once you know your baseline in terms of what your own genetics are, that's where you can really layer in any supplementary support and also get your nutrition suited exactly right to you. Some people also need much um, higher levels of antioxidants. Um, you can also start to understand your food intolerances. So you can do food intolerance testing. This is where I would take particular care because there are a lot of intolerance um, testings that you can buy online that are known to um, throw up both false positives and negatives. Um, and that's because it's very, very difficult to establish a food intolerance. It's not like an allergy where you get an immediate symptom um, very, very quickly after eating it. So things like anaphylaxis, for example, for people with nut allergies, whereas with intolerances, they can sometimes take hours or even a day or two days to really show up. But they are responsible for a lot of the inflammation that's caused in the body. They can also really start to disrupt the balance um, in the gut and particular the layer in your gut. So you've probably heard um, who's heard of leaky gut. That's um. That's a big one that's um, featured a lot at the moment, and that's a very real thing. And, and food intolerances can really um, contribute to this. So DNA-based um, vitamins and minerals are helpful to know because you know what your underlying biology is, and then you're not spending a lot on supplements that you don't need. Um, we can also personalize things like how much caffeine you have, um, so that can help with lowering stress. There's also... Um, impacts for cardiovascular health. And again, this is something that people metabolize very, very differently. Some people metabolize it very quickly. Other people is much slower and it can have a much greater disruption on their sleep. But what's really, really interesting um, recently that's come about through um, the latest science is that we our circadian rhythm is also controlled by our organs. So what we have um, and I'll talk about this in a moment when we talk about sleep, but we have clock genes that regulate our circadian rhythm and, and our organs take these cues um, from these clock genes. 
And if we align our eating with our circadian rhythm, we're going to help to lower inflammation and also to sleep much, much better. Um, so I like you to try and find as much as you can from your food. And I think that if you can prioritize things like here, raw nuts, healthy fats, very bright and colorful, low glycemic foods and fruits like berries. Um, but you want to try and get as much color in your diet as possible. And also to try really to focus on unprocessed nuts, because again, the fats will be quite damaging if you're roasting them because they're so um, they're not heat stable. But also try to really focus with your food to eat as much natural food. It's much easier. I know not everybody's from the UK. We've got people from the US, people from Australia. Um, but certainly here in the UK in summertime, it's much easier to get a hold of this food. So it's a great time to really begin. And even if you just say to yourself, I'm not going to eat food that has a label. Um, I know now they do put labels often on on berries even. But what I mean is any packaged food, you'll be going a long way to lower inflammation. Um, and looking, as I've said, for things that are high in antioxidants, adding things into your diet like matcha tea. It's got such a high ORAC value, which is your oxygen um, radical absorbance capacity, which basically really helps to protect you against free radicals. Things like this can make a big difference. Understanding what your food intolerances are. So if you're suffering with bloating and gas or diarrhea, or maybe you're oscillating to during constipation. If you've seen a doctor, they're nine out of 10 going to say to you, oh, do you know what? You've probably just got a bit of IBS as if it's normal. Um, it isn't normal. And unfortunately, it causes a lot of problems in the body. Now, as I've already mentioned, it's difficult to test for food intolerances. Your genetics and questionnaires can go a long way to help. But the best way is to actually really, really get yourself familiar with your diet. So food journaling is a big one in terms of beginning to understand how food can make you feel, but also um, looking at um, doing an elimination diet. So if you feel like you've done some food journaling, you're looking at how you're feeling 30 minutes after food, two hours after food, and you're logging that data and you can start to see a pattern, um, then it might be worth then doing an elimination diet because these are a little bit of a faff to get prepared for. You do need to kind of allow 21 days minimum. Ideally, you would be doing that for at least 28 days where you exclude the main intolerant food groups. So things like um, gluten, wheat, um, pretty much all grains can cause problems for people. For some people, eggs are a big one as well. Corn, nuts can be. Um, and you basically exclude these foods. FODMAPs are a big one. So fructooligosaccharides. They're contained um, sugar alcohols. They're contained a lot more in processed foods, um, but you can remove them. And then when you reintroduce, it's very much like when you if, if you guys have had kids, when you've had a baby, you wouldn't keep giving them 101 different foods all at the same time because you couldn't work out which one they were responding to best. So you want to be introducing them one day um, and then leaving it two or three days, then introducing another food, because that's going to give you the best idea over whether you're somebody who's intolerant to gluten or to dairy, for example. Gut health and detoxification plays a really, really big part of this. And it's not difficult at all to test the health of your gut. So we can do stool testing that looks at the health of your microbiome. Um, you can take probiotics definitely to improve this. 
But what we'll see is it can be a little bit of a shotgun approach unless you know what is in there. So if you are struggling with IBS symptoms, it could be that there's an intolerance or it actually could be that the, the gut health is imbalanced. And that, again, will contribute and cause inflammation. So how can you go about this? You can test uh, what your microbiome looks like through a stool sample. Um, and we actually use some very good um, laboratories that go into a lot of detail here. And that means that you can then take a probiotic that's designed to deal with that particular problem and get the, your gut balance back on track. Sometimes it can be that you've got low levels of healthy bacteria. Sometimes it can be that you've actually got some high levels of what we call bad bacteria or kind of parasites. Um, and by correcting those things, sometimes it can be a combination of both. You can really enhance the health of your gut and then also in the integrity of your intestinal walls so you don't suffer with things like leaky gut, because that can really contribute to things like autoimmune disorders. So that's a super important part on the um, nutritional side. You can see here, for example, you can have things like these bad bacterias or you may not have enough of the beneficial ones. Um, and that's when things can also start to graduate on from IBS to inflammatory bowel disease um, in the presence of an imbalance in gut and inflammation. Um, I've already mentioned leaky gut. SIBO is a different one. OK, this is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That's in the upper part. Um, so it's in the small bowel. And the easiest way to find that, again, is very simple. It's a breath test that you can do. Um, all of these tests we can send you out and you can do them at home. Um, looking at how well you detoxify is a very, very important thing, particularly with rising cancer rates. And this isn't about so much doing a detox um, program as such. I think any detoxification program that you do needs to be supervised by a nutritionist because when you detox, you are letting those toxins back into the system. Um, and that can be that can overwhelm the body in some cases. So it needs to be done in a measured way. But also what I really like to encourage you to do is to really enhance the detoxification properties that you have and work with them on an everyday basis. So making sure that your detoxification is functioning really, really well. And that's a combination of avoiding things like pesticides um, that's in foods, avoiding um, GMO based food. Uh, other toxins, making sure that you are the air that you breathe, the water you drink is pure. You know, a lot of the thing is that, um, the air inside our homes and our offices is almost more polluted um, and actually in many cases has been shown to be more polluted than the air outside in a city. And you know, it seems crazy, but it's simple fixes, making sure if you've got air conditioning that you're using the right filters. Um, HEPA filters can really help. If you're not in an air conditioned environment, making sure that you're always readily opening the windows, having um, plants that help to purify the air in your home is another big one. So um, NASA has a great list of plants that you can um, have a look at. If you Google it online, they'll show you house plants that NASA has approved um, for improving air quality. So all these things play a massive part. And this brings me on to factor two, which is basically. Um, this is not nutrition. I don't know what it says. That is stress. Now, we've got, again, very similar to inflammation. We've got acute and we've got chronic. So acute stress, this is when cortisol is released in response to something that your 
brain has perceived as stressful. And that's the old saber-toothed tiger analogy. It's designed to basically cortisol will release glucose into the blood, and that's so that you can fight or flee. And it's there, as I say, for an acute situation. But what we're seeing now is chronic stress in our society. We're very, very overstimulated um, with so many electronics, um, people contacting us on so many different mediums. You know, you could be in any one day, you might have lots and lots of emails, phone calls to your home or work phone, phone calls to your mobile. People will be messaging you on WhatsApp, maybe Snapchat. Maybe you're getting direct messages on Instagram, Messenger on Facebook. And that's in addition to everything else that we're doing in our lives with our family, with our jobs. Um, and it's very difficult to find time for ourselves. And I would encourage you to do your best to do that because this chronic level of stress that's basically dumping cortisol into our system and stimulating the adrenal glands, because going back to what I was saying, originally cortisol will be there to give glucose to fuel the muscles for you to be able to run and the adrenaline would be coming out. Now, what's happening actually is that you might just be sitting at your desk with these high levels of stress and you're not using that. So we do then see insulin go up. This promotes things like weight gain, particularly around the abdominal area, but it also raises inflammation. And there are really a few ways that you can experience stress. So we have emotional stress, and that's probably what a lot of people think of when they're thinking, I feel stressed because of something that's going on in their lives. But then we also have physical stress. And this can be physical stress that we're putting on ourselves because we're maybe trying to solve what's going on in the wrong way. So a common one is that people who are trying to lose weight will really, really restrict their calories. And that causes a lot of physical stress or they will try to exercise excessively so and they'll keep layering on more and more exercise. That's a really common one. And what's happening is that's just stressing the body out more and is actually going to inhibit weight loss and drive inflammation further. Biological stress um, can be from a combination of factors. So we have toxins that are produced in our body every day as a result of the chemical reactions that are taking place. And then we have outside toxins that are coming in in terms of things like pesticides, like exhaust fumes, um, smoking, if you're in contact with anyone or, or you do that. Smoking is still the number one cause of disease. Like if anybody um, here does smoke, that is still the best thing you can do for your health is to give up smoking because it is so toxic. Um, so we have that level of biological stress, toxins in our environment, in our water, in our air. You know, even things like water supplies in cities are often recycled. So what we're seeing is we're getting higher levels of hormones because many women are on the pill and then that gets peed out into the water and water gets purified and recycled and you're getting extra levels of hormones. Getting toxins from plastics, which are hormone disruptors in the form of um plastic water bottles, particularly if they've been left in the heat. Um, so what you want to do is try and basically use things like glass bottles, stainless steel, things that don't, um, don't carry that toxic load. The general thing I would say to you is when you're using things like water or cooking um, products, you want to make sure that anything that's being heated is much more likely to cause inflammation. So non-stick pans, they, they contain toxins and you're heating that at a high temperature. Um, another one that's a big one is now electromagnetic radiation. Um, your Wi-Fi causes a lot of radiation. Ideally, we'd all have Ethernet cables 
um, into the various rooms where we're using it. But the more smart devices that you're using, the more you're exposing yourself to this um, because it's constantly trying to communicate. So things like many people, many of you are probably using this, um, an Apple Watch, I have one, I make sure that it's in airplane mode until I actually want it to communicate because that constant radiation um, is too much. And that's from cellular radiation, but also from Wi-Fi as well. Um, Bluetooth is much lower, okay? In terms of EMF radiation, Bluetooth is not as bad. But if you think about using a set of Bluetooth headset that's in communication with something like a mobile phone, then you're probably getting quite a lot more radiation than you realize because the mobile phone is continuously communicating with the um, transmitter. And what you want to do, I mean, there's been about 20,000 studies now on EMF. Um, it's not something that some governments are paying attention to it and trying to ban 5G that's coming, um, countries like Belgium and some of the others. Um, but it is hard to avoid. I would say to you, if your mobile signal is weak, try not to use your phone because it has to emit way more radiation when the mobile phone signal is, is weak. Um, going along in your car, your phones are constantly trying to communicate all the time um, to find mobile phone reception. So it's simple things that you can do that are going to lower your exposure, lower your toxic burden and lower inflammation levels. And it's kind of like a big melting pot. All these things go in. Maybe you're experiencing stress from one area. Maybe you've got some emotional stress going on, some financial stress. Then you've got toxins coming. They all do it. So it's about looking at your lifestyle and seeing how you can minimize them. Now, sleep is another one. Um, in terms of sleep has this amazing benefit of lowering inflammation, but also when inflammation is lower, you sleep better. You want to be making sure that you're having enough deep sleep and REM sleep. I, I think tracking sleep is brilliant. Some people feel that if they tra track sleep, it's going to make them sleep less well. I think information is very empowering. I use an aura ring. This actually allows me to see the quality of my REM sleep, which is the dream sleep, and also my deep sleep so that I can see if I'm having enough. And it allows you to start to really understand what things you did during your day that impacted that sleep. And it sounds crazy, but the quality of your sleep tonight has begun to be determined by the moment you woke up this morning. And the best things you can do are things like going out and getting a lot of blue light first thing in the morning, going out into your garden um, and accessing that natural blue spectrum um, from the sun. Um, going out barefoot and getting grounding, um, that's a whole area on itself that can help to counter some of the effects of um, the EMF radiation we were talking about. But definitely exposing yourself to blue light early in the day is going to enhance sleep. Um, making sure that you're minimizing blue light exposure in the evening and wearing things like blue light blocking glasses if you're using um, watching TV or using electronic devices. Um, what we know is that I was talking to you earlier about the circadian clocks that we have in our genes. So if you're somebody that gets woken up at kind of one, two o'clock in the morning and you're not quite sure why, um, it can be if you've drank alcohol, but also the liver has a clock. And um, I was reading a recent science report that was talking about people who are on their phones in their beds will often find that they wake up at one or two. Maybe you're not even conscious that you're waking. You're going to a much lighter sleep. And that's because the liver isn't doing the things it should be doing because it was stimulated. And this is the thing. We have these receptors on all of our cells in our body. And that's why light is a big one in terms of going out early. You've got receptors on your skin. Um, and then you've also got your uh, super 
uh, suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is in the brain. Now, that responds to light, but also eating at the right times uh, can make a big difference. So having using intermittent fasting can help. Um, definitely use time-restricted eating. So I would say to you, at a very minimum, make sure that all your eating is done within 12 hours, um, ideally within 10 hours. This, this on its own has led to dramatic weight loss in people. Um, giving your body that time to rest and working with your circadian rhythm has been shown to really, really um, improve circadian rhythm and lower inflammation and enhance weight loss. So you can look at your DNA when you see if you do a DNA test, you can understand what your clock genes are. There's often some big surprises for people who thought they were a night owl or they thought they were an early morning person and they're not. Um, and it's very, very empowering and people get amazing results and the quality of their sleep improves. Um, you can do questionnaires. Um, look at people like Dr. Michael Bruce. He's got great um, questionnaire on whether you're um, a wolf um, or a lion or a bear. Um, and then optimize your lifestyle factors around it. I can't overstress the importance of sleep. The World Health Organization has actually categorized sleep as a possible uh, shift work, sorry, as a possible carcinogen, because being in alignment with our circadian rhythm is really, really essential. And with all the lighting we have in terms of LEDs and junk lighting like that in the home and big screen TVs and laptops and phones, we're really disrupting um, you know, our biology. And we just haven't moved because quickly enough to adapt. Now, all of these things have an effect on what's known as your mitochondria. And your mitochondria are the little tiny powerhouses in your cells. They're actually a bacteria. They are what has allowed us to um, thrive in an oxygen environment. They're what's help us process oxygen. And they are the powerhouses of our cells. And they, we need our mitochondria to basically take the energy from our food and from the oxygen we breathe and turn it into something called ATP. So you want to make sure that you've got really good quality mitochondria and good density. So you want a good number. Often when energy is going down, we see that mitochondrial density is less. And all the factors that I've been talking about here today can really help to enhance your mitochondria, as can certain exercise. Often it's brief, very intense exercise that will really help to improve the health of your mitochondria. Um, and reducing reactive oxygen species, making sure you're having enough um, antioxidants in your diet uh, is super, super important to support the health of your mitochondria. Telomeres is quite an exciting area. Um, these are like, if you imagine a shoelace, the caps here, it's the easiest analogy for me to give you, the caps here at the end are like the caps that we have on our DNA helixes, so the strands of DNA that we have in our cells. Now, these tend to shorten with age and for a long time, scientists believed that they just got shorter with age anyway because of cell division. But what we're actually seeing now is that um, telomerase, which is the enzyme that enhances telomere length um, and is responsible for it, we can have an impact on this through our lifestyle, through our nutrition and the environmental factors that I've been speaking about today. So those are all really powerful things to make sure. And actually, again, this is something super affordable that we do with clients um, we can test the length of your telomeres and see and then make lifestyle nutritional changes and then retest them at a later date. So it's exciting times. Um, you know, we know now that 90 to 95 percent of disease is not caused by genetics alone. We have this amazing area of epigenetics now where we can really begin to influence the expression of our genes in a super powerful way. 
um, the science and the technology that we have is moving very, very quickly. And what I would say is it's there for you to be able to take advantage. It's going to become increasingly affordable to take charge of your health. And so this is a wonderful time to be alive. You know, we can look at all the doom and gloom on um, television and in the media and the press about chronic disease and that we have a one in three risk of cancer and all these things that are frightening us. But actually, it's empowering because we have this available to us now to really, really take charge of our health and influence it so that, you know, we can really have fun with our children. And you can be that grandparent that um, eventually that's still fit and having fun with their grandchildren. Um, so it's and you'll see that, you know, the kind of richest people in the world are really, really taking care of their health. Um, people like Richard Branson, Elon Musk, you know, people are really looking at it. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. I hope you've enjoyed the episode today and got lots of value from it. If you'd like to get a snapshot on where you are in terms of your health and wellness right now, then go to bit.ly forward slash wellness snapshot and you can download my free wellness tracker where we look at 12 key areas of your health so that you can track exactly what's going on now and get a really good visual snapshot of where you are on your health and wellness journey. And if you'd like to know more about the coaching programs that I offer, feel free to get in touch and just email me Angela at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. I do read every email. It may take me a little bit of time to get back to you, but I promise that I will be in touch. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources, and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.